I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Gwynn waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there with it. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeVu, my best friend, if you didn't know. Welcome back, Eric. How's it going? Hey, going great. I'm uh, down about $1,000, $1,500 and up about 25 pounds since my trip to Vegas. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you dropped weight for a second. Yeah, I dropped the wallet, but I gained, I, I picked up the fork big time, dude. <laughs> it's okay. Completely it, off the rails of my keto diet, big time. It's all right. We'll get back on keto and then uh, go off the rails when we go to Arizona here. Uh, that's coming up next week by the way. Uh, anyways, back to the Padres. So um, spring training's been underway for about a week. Some fun times going on, so we got some stuff on the table we want to go over. Uh, we'll make this pretty quick. It's going to be a pretty quick podcast here. Actually, before we get started, could we do a couple announcements? Yeah, let's do a couple announcements, actually. Go okay. ahead. So if you guys are just, before you guys completely lose interest, hold on, my wife's calling me right now. Recording the podcast. Fuck off. So no, wait a minute, wait a minute, did you really just answer that? <laughs> yeah, I did. Sweet Jesus. So that's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the announcements. Uh, studio announcer Kelsey will be back um, eventually. We've gone the last three episodes without, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, breaking news, I don't think she'll be back. <laughs> In fact, I think you and I will be rooming together very, very soon. So anyways, um, yeah, we're going to spring training next week. I think the week after that. Um, we're going to start doing weekly episodes again. If I mean, I'll speak for you. We haven't said anything about it, but it's about time where we're going to get the, the ball rolling because the season's getting going, and and uh, we're anxious to get started. So we'll have studio announcer Kelsey back. We'll be doing weekly shows. We'll get back on it. And also, recording tomorrow is the Padre Twitter podcast. Oh, I cannot wait for this. The first ever episode right back here in the studio. It's going to be myself and uh, Drunk Flannery, at who is, Drunk Flan. Who is the uh, honored first guest? Who's the historic first guest? The historic first guest, we're going to have our boy Craig Medion. Craig Great. Medeiros. So I'm going to break this now because I'm sure Craig is going to listen. Craig, I love you to death. I love when we get into our debates. But for the time being, I need a break from you constantly ripping Dan Simborski, a new asshole. <laughs> so you've been muted for a little while until the season starts. So I don't have to see you shit on zip projections. Oh, Nothing against you, sir. I'm just tired of seeing. The, I'm tired of seeing you get so get so hurt by Simborski shitting on the Padres. So yeah. So we're looking forward to. I don't know if we're gonna re, if we're gonna release it on this um, on this channel channel or what. Just for the first episode because we still have to figure everything out. It's like. Uh, Dan, like Dan Celio, hey, I don't know what's going on, as was <laughs> Oh, said. God, if anybody hasn't listened. <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be good times. We're going to talk a lot about Padres Twitter, <laughs> Padres Meet Twitter, um, 97.3 The Machine, <laughs> you know, everything like that. And, by the way, I don't even know why we're doing our show today. After the Kept Faith put their show out. Oh, with, Jesus. Oh, yeah, you guys heard the, uh, what the hell, the grinder? The grinder? The grinder, 99.9. What's the, the point even more uh, anymore? Why are any of us know. doing anything? Yeah, we're done. I think Leisure Fire just said it there. They're Game the over. best of the best. It's over. Dude, I, I literally, I text you. I said, dude, I'm choking on my fucking spit right now laughing at this. Like, I, you have to check it out. You know, I, I, I listened to that on the way, or right after I got out of work. I had to run an errand before I came to see and get something to eat. And so I listened to that, and I can't tell you how many times I almost veered into oncoming traffic. And then after that, I went ahead and turned on the Dave and Jeff podcast, who had our good friend Stephen Woods as a special guest. Uh, it's the third time, which yeah. I think he gets a jacket for or something. <laughs> but uh, he goes on there, and... You know, they do a review of the uh, new Dan Cilio show, and sweet Jesus, guys, if you haven't heard it, hit up the Kept Faith website, just Google the Kept Faith, listen to the grinder. 
because that was excellent. And then immediately follow that up with uh, the Dave and Jeff podcast with uh, Woodsy on there because Woodsy's big sills yeah. is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Pretty great. So that'll give us a lot to talk about tomorrow. First ever episode of Padre Twitter podcast. We'll... We'll see what happens. Featuring Craig Meddy. I can't wait. I'm pretty really excited, excited for, for that. Yeah. yeah, you're on alert, Patrick Brewer. <laughs> yeah. James Clark. Are they going to turn it into a triple threat with uh, Brewer, Coke, and uh, Meddy at WrestleMania? So we shall see. Meddy going to intervene? We shall see. So <laughs> spring training getting rolling, man. Uh, we got a couple guys who are young kids who are hopefully Real young, yeah. going to be the, the future of this team. And, you know, these two young men are really... Uh, Really going off on on uh, the spring training pitchers. I mean, I don't know. Are they facing the scrubs? Are they facing major leaguers? I mean, uh, you know, spring training stats. You don't take them too seriously. No, you know, not at all. As much the? as I want to get hard about Urias and Tatis, I yeah. mean, it's spring training. Well, I always point out to uh, Elston pointed this out one year on the, the Make the Padres Great Again uh, cast where he says, you know, they had Johnny the Rock Roscos who absolutely raked one year in spring training. And KT was forced to put him on the roster where he proceeded to hit like $1.50 the first month. And then they got to cut him. But, you know, you take spring training stats with a grain of salt. Number one, even with the ball being juiced, Arizona, man, everybody goes yard. I mean, Hedges has hit four home runs already. And we know he can hit. You mean it's not his new swing? No. I mean, it might be. Mechanically speaking, he looks better. But, you know, no. He hit last year in the spring. But the thing I look at for spring training that I don't think – you can buy, like, I don't think you can fake it, is plate discipline and approach. Now, we talk about Urias. I want to touch on Urias first because I think the consensus is he's closer uh, to the major leagues than um, Tatis. I think Tatis will probably get another full year in the minors, maybe a September call-up, but a full season. Whereas Urias, um, I made a joke on the, on the Padres' Twitter when they had uh, Suahe doing a Q&A via the Padres' Twitter um, where I asked... Uh, Carlos Aswahe, can you tell what Luis Urias had for uh, breakfast when he's breathing down your neck for your roster spot? Yeah. Because he looks incredibly impressive. And, I mean, we know he can hit, right? I mean, we know he can hit. It's, it's obvious. He's considered a top 100 prospect. I'm pretty sure that's slam dunk across every prospect ranking, um, every major prospect uh, ranking system. We know he's a top prospect in our system. I said this uh, when we went to the uh, Kevin Towers Memorial when we walked through that together, and I said um, – you know, of all the prospects that Preller traded, when you really think about it, Urias was already in the system. So he's one of the guys Preller actually held on to um, in that uh, purging of the system outside of, uh, you know, Renfro and uh, Hedges, who were the two closest guys. Remember so. when we were going to trade those guys for Cole Hamels? Oh, God, I still would have done that <laughs> deal in a heartbeat because I would still do that deal. We're like, no, we can't trade Renfro. He's going to hit 40 bombs. Well, he hit 20, almost hit 30. But yeah. nonetheless, um, but I think you know, with Urias, we already knew he can hit. What's really impressed me this spring is his play discipline and his approach. Now, of course, you're facing different guys, um, you know, different levels of guys, right? You get guys coming in from the backfield to get work in in live games, and then you get, like, the major league guys or guys who are fringy. Um, but he spits on a lot of pretty good-looking breaking balls, and I think we're so used to these, you know, these hackers, these Jed Jerko, Renfro types who we know can hit, but it's a matter of – even Khalil Green type. We know they have power. We know they can hit. It's a matter of – can they identify the slider and lay off of it? Jerko figured that out. Green never figured that out. Renfro. It took Jerko a while to figure it out, it by did. the way, it, and Urias already has. Yeah, and, and Urias, I mean, he looks polished. He spits on close pitches. He takes his pitches. He takes his walks. Um, he's play, He's had 17 plate appearances in the spring. He's drawn four fucking walks. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a 25% walk rate. I don't know if that's going to hold when he comes up to the majors and he's really challenged. So, yeah, I don't look too much at the numbers. He's not going to slug 923 with a 647, you know, on base percentage. But 
I think when you look at just his approach at the plate, how patient he is, you know, he knows what he's doing at the plate. I know that sounds cliche, but he he knows what he's doing at the plate. He knows what he's looking for. He knows what he can handle. And you can see that when he's spitting on breaking balls because we've seen plenty of rookies, Green, Kuzmanov, uh, Renfro, uh, Jerko, just hacking at these sliders. Uh, even Frenchy Cordero, who we'll touch on a little bit later, just hacking at these pitches. And he just goes up there and he's working the damn count, finding something he likes, and then he punches it into the gap. Yeah, and he's done that every single level so far. Yeah, he's seven hits and five of them are doubles. Yeah, and that was the whole thing that he didn't have power. And I've said all along, I don't care about his power. I don't, because when you're getting on base as much as he is, you're drawing as many walks as he is, you're not striking out like he's not striking out, perfect table setter. Do I care that he's not hitting 25 homers? No, I don't care, because let's face it, Austin Hedges was supposed to hit, what, 10? 10. <laughs> yeah, and what did he hit, 18? 18, but he had year? a two fucking 60 on base. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Urias is going to do that, but he's going to come up and he can get on base at a 340 clip, I if agree. not higher. I came up with a comp. I was talking to uh, Mad Friars Kevin Charity the other day, off the record, but uh, we were talking, and... I never looked at... Off the record. <laughs> Off the record. Now, let me go ahead and say it on yeah. the podcast. So, uh, we were talking, and, you know, I never bothered to look it up, but Mark Loretta popped up the other day in uh, one of those, like, dugout interviews, and I thought, you know what? I remember Loretta being pretty good here. Let me look up his numbers. This motherfucker was like a five-war second baseman. I mean, he was like an all-star level second baseman in his run here, and I looked at him like, you know, Loretta didn't hit for a lot of power, but he did things... He did a, he did a couple things really well. He's pretty decent defensively. He hit for average, but he got on base... And he hit for some power. Not a ton of power. Not a 20-home run guy. And and I talked to Kevin about it, and I, I think he kind of agreed with me in that I think that's Urias' ceiling for the Padres. I think he could be a Mark Loretta type. You know, he's not going to hit for a ton of power. He'll run into the ball. And obviously with the ball now proven to be juiced, you know, being different, um, I do think he can hit 10 bombs just because he makes so much contact. But I can see him going out there hitting 280 to 300, putting up a 350 or better on base and slugging in the low 400s, 4 to 420. And just being like this five-win second baseman, he's supposed to be an above-average defensive second baseman. You combine that with his contact ability, his ability to draw walks and get on base, I think he's going to be Mexican Mark Loretta. And if you guys don't remember, Loretta was probably their best or second-best player in that initial run outside of maybe Giles and Gonzalez. He was right up there. Is he going to have the same lowrider entrance music? Uh, he'll probably come up to whatever Adrian Gonzalez's old music was. Is that the Mexican hat dance? Levantante? <laughs> no, not that one. No, <laughs> the, uh, the other one. Yeah, that's the one will be reggaeton music. I just think a guy like Urias is infinitely valuable. I do, too. Because you don't have to hit homers. If you set the table, that's that's more than fine. You need guys like that. You're not going to have everyone going out and mashing mashing 50 homers. We're not the Yankees. I agree. I 100% know. agree. Um, and even even if – it's great to have guys who mash, but Urias gets on base. So as long as you get on base, to me, that's all that matters. I mean, unless he's slugging like 310, which he's not. He's going to hit doubles. Um, the other guy, obviously, we know was going to be impressive, but fuck me, has he gone off. I mean, he's, he's trying to knock Freddie Galvis out of the way. Right. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who, again, you know, you throw these out the window, but 381, 458, 667 slugging. He's drawn three walks in 24 plate appearances. That's pretty good. I think that's 8%. I think that's about right. I, I wasn't know. paying attention to what you just yeah, said. I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> he's drawing walks. He's hit a home run. He's stolen some bases. He stole third the other day. Um, he struck out a lot. But, you know, he's 19. He's, well, what, he had 20? one game where he had three strikeouts. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, that's that doesn't true. help the cause. And again, these are spring stats. But at the same time, when he goes out there against the White Sox and goes four for four, <laughs> five, five ribs, <laughs> stolen base, that's sweet. Dude. I love it. I absolutely. It's funny because it's not like he was in that system all that long. They basically signed and then they traded him the minute he was eligible for, uh, you know, spring ball. But same thing with uh, with Tatis as Urias. Like you, you see them and 
um, I think it was, it must have been, it was either Scanlon or AC that said it on Twitter, but they said Tatis got a fastball. He didn't like the pitch. He thought it was a ball. And you can see, you know, he's like, oh, that wasn't a fucking strike. And then he just rips the next pitch for a double. The next pitch he gets, he rips for a double. That he just has that, he has confidence, but again, it's the approach at the plate. I know what I'm looking for. I know what a ball is. I know what a strike is. He'll get fooled. I mean, we've seen that. He's less seasoned than Urias. Um, but you can see in his approach at the plate that it's what they talk about, like this advanced approach. You can see that just watching him play, just watching him take at bats. You see why, I mean, really the industry is high on him as a prospect in terms of laying off pitches. You can see it with the bat speed. The home run he hit was fuck. It looked like he just kind of, oops, yeah. <laughs> two-strike approach. Let me put it in play and hit it out. Uh, but he's been incredibly impressive offensively. He's, he's better than I, I expected. I expect rookies to struggle in spring training. And those two guys who I know we're, we're, we're you know, putting our hats on, um, those two guys have looked incredibly impressive. I did get a question through Keith Law's chat. Oh, God. I mean, you know, he follows prospects. And I put out there, you know, what, what do you think the ETA is for that middle infield? And I think it's realistic. Urias probably comes up this year. Was his answer year. was his answer to that Trevor Hoffman's not a Hall of Famer? No, no, because Hey, when's Urias and Tatis coming up? Well, first of all, Trevor's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he doesn't. Why would he say that? <laughs> but I mean I think he's a dick. He's a dick when you ask him questions you already know the answer to. But whatever. Yeah, he's a dick. He comes off as a dick, I agree. But he does follow these prospects. He does have a valid opinion, even if Marver doesn't like it. He does have a valid <laughs> opinion. And I, I think he's I would hope he's right. I think I think Tatis spends the rest of this year down on the farm until September where he gets a call-up. I don't even know if he's going to come up in September, though, honestly. He might. Cause, well, because you got to think about it. they got to make 40-man moves if they if they do that, right? They that's true, but at that point, they, someone. that's true. But, that, I mean, they, they might be trading some guys by then. I mean, Headley probably won't be here. Galvis might not be here. Yeah. They could always DFA Cordoba or somebody else. I mean, they, they have plenty of moves. If Dickerson's hurt. He might get DFA'd. Yeah, so. I was going to say, he got hurt again. So <laughs> he's he's going to be out through opening day. Yep, so, so the only playing time I think it's time to cut base with him, dude. I keep him, cut bait. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep him around as depth, but um, no, I mean Tatis and Urias have looked um, incredibly impressive so far in spring training. Again, spring training stats, take them with a grain of salt, but just looking at them, take at bats. Very excited to see what uh, the future holds. Hot take: I don't want to see Tatis this year. Not really that hot a take. I wouldn't mind if we didn't see him. I don't want to see him at all. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but at the end of the day, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know, man. It, it's hard to say because you know everyone's going to be jacked about him all year. Myself included. You and I are going to be jerking ourselves off to Tatis all year. Next week, man. Yeah, next, next week. Next week, I'm going out there playing pocket pool watching him play bat- or uh, do batting practice. Yeah, that is true. But at the end of the day, I, I don't want them to rush and fuck it up. Like, I agree. He, he seems like so much can't miss at this point that part of me feels like with all this hype, he doesn't seem like someone's going to crumble under it. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. He's got to struggle. It wouldn't surprise me if he struggles this year in double A. I don't think he'll struggle. I think if they call him up, he'll struggle. But listen, Mike Trout hit awful. His, yeah. like, first couple months. Mickey Mantle was so bad, they sent his ass back. <laughs> As yeah. they did Mike Schmidt. These guys are going to struggle. You know, the thing So you're is, saying he's going to be Trout and Schmidt? No, I'm not saying he's going to be <laughs> Trout and Schmidt. What I'm saying is that guys do struggle initially. You know, it, it doesn't matter how can't miss you are. You know, Bryce Harper. Or Manny Machado. I mean, Manny Machado is his comp, right? That's everybody points to, oh, he's he, he looks just like Manny Machado at that age. Machado did not hit that well when he came up for that Orioles playoff run. Obviously, defensively, he was a fucking machine. Right. A machine. Yeah. But, you know. 97.3, the machine. (laughs) Um, Not well-oiled, clearly. Yeah. But, um, you know, Machado struggled. So, I mean, there's going to be an adjustment period for him. 
Ideally, though, fans will learn from the Rizzo debacle. Remember, everybody gave up on Rizzo. You had hacks calling in. Not saying, everyone. Well, not you and I. But, I mean, I remember you had hacks calling in uh, to uh, Coach Quintero's show saying, you know, Rizzo really needs to widen his legs out in his stance and really shorten the swing. I'm like, listen here, you fucking hack. Just because you coach your fucking good old iron horse son, Gehrig, on how to fucking strike out left and right in Little League, doesn't mean you can call in and tell his top prospect how to hit because he's struggling. So I hope that fans have some patience. He's 20 years old. He's extremely young. And... Is he 20 yet? I don't think he's even 20. I think he's 19. He'll be 20, I think, when he actually gets the official everyday gig. But he's going to struggle. So expect him to hit a buck 50 or so and to go through the ups and downs and not just come out of the gate swinging. Because almost nobody does. No. Almost nobody. Ever. Yeah. Urias is a different story. I think Urias is going to come up and hit just fine. Do I don't th- know why. Do you think he'll be up by the Mexico series, the Monterey series? No. no. I, don't, I don't think he's on the 40 man, is he? It's not the kind of cheap marketing that the Padres... I don't think so. I think Hosmer is a marketing move. But again, from a baseball standpoint, if the idea is to try to get as good as possible, okay, I can buy that. I don't think they're going to move. They'd have to designate a guy off the 40-man to get him up. And you start, I don't think you start his service clock, but you risk it. Yeah. You know, when somebody gets hurt, and they're like, fuck, now we're stuck with him. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to do that. It'd be cool. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Wouldn't I hope they me. don't do that. Uh, moving on, uh, another guy looking very impressive. We touched on him was uh, Franchi Cordero has looked really impressive in spring training. Now, again, it's spring training. But what are your thoughts on Franchi Cordero? Because I feel like he's, uh, he's pushing Renfro for that, uh, that third outfield gig. I feel like, you know what, I feel like the left field, or we don't even know, first of all, who's or where Myers is going to be. If he's going to be in right or left. Pretty but. sure Myers would be in right. Now, I did bother to look this up because this is just how I am. Myers, for all his faults defensively range-wise, unsurprisingly so, has a really good arm. So Fangraphs has a stat. It's called, Does he really? Yeah, so Fangraphs has a stat. It's called arm. I know it sounds silly. <laughs> it's, it's Very creative. Yeah, it's very creative. I mean, it's easy, right? You can just look it up. So I'm going to pull it up right now. Last I checked on their advanced defensive metrics, arm the way that's rated these days is, you know, when you throw guys out or when you hold runners. So let's say base hit to right field, right? Myers is charging. There's a runner on first, and he gets the ball, and the runner holds on third. I don't know how they calculate it, but technically he's getting credit because that runner's not challenging him. And according to Fangraphs, as I scroll down here on his page, last I checked, I could be wrong, but last I checked as an outfielder, he has a pretty good arm. Let me see. Let's see. Yeah, he's had some pretty good years where he's been, uh, let's see, two runs above average uh, on his arm. So he's hit or miss. And, again, this is a guy that played outfield for a year and a half, got traded, played outfield for a month, got hurt, came back and By played, way, played center base. field. Yeah. played. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at Myers, it's hard for his numbers because he's been hurt. Out, the only full season he's had was last year um, or in the year before that. But they were both at first. So I don't think there's any doubt range-wise he's you know not a very good outfielder. I think that's pretty much a given. But the arm is hard because he doesn't have a lot of sample size. He played half a season his rookie year in Tampa. He got hurt the next year, got traded after that, got hurt that year, played first when he came back, and then played first you know pretty much full-time the last two years. So he hasn't seen a lot of time. But it's not unlikely that he has a pretty good arm. Um, again, Kevin Charity and I discussing, he's like, yeah, you know, was this on the record or off the record? Well, it depends. Charity's a big guy, so it's probably half and half. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were talking, and you know, it makes sense that he have a good arm. He came up as a catcher. It's kind of like people say, man, Bryce Harper has a cannon. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> he, yeah. Was, he was a fucking catcher, and that's what Myers was drafted as, So, uh, which is also not surprising why he was halfway decent at 
uh, picking the ball at first base, which, by the way, is included in defensive metrics for first baseman. I don't want to hear it. Oh, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think Myers plays right strictly because I think he probably has a pretty decent arm. I think Cordero, Renfro, well, not Dickerson anymore, but Cordero and Renfro, and even to a point Perella, are competing for the left field job. Well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be, and that's what I was going to say, wouldn't it be Perella's job at this point to lose? Given how he performed last year, they're not going to put him at second base. I think they might. He's played a lot of second base so far in the spring. I think the one thing that sticks out though is is someone someone he looks tweeted like a out, refrigerator out there. I mean, well, he does first of all. Really but big. someone someone tweeted out a video of him trying to underhand flip the ball on a double play to second baseman, and he was like twenty five feet away. Oh, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he tried to underhand flip it, and it literally bounced and rolled to Galvis, and Ooh. then he picked it up. That's something you can learn though. I, yeah, but and it's so, not like he has. Well, honestly, the now's the time to learn it. Now's the time to learn it, right? Because yeah. I don't think we're all aboard the tank train anymore with Hosmer. But I am. Well, I am only because I mean I don't the think Padres as a team. Oh yeah, they're oh, not. Wow. They're not going to actively try to tank. I don't think they're trying to win either. Well, I think. Yeah. I think the Hosmer move is like, hey, we're going to be good in like a year or two, so we'll get this guy now and hope he's still peaking. But right. Um, no, I agree with you. I, I think now's the time. He's played a lot of second base. I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna rotate him around. Well, I mean, to answer your question, I wouldn't mind if they put Franchi out and left. I mean, kind of sink or swim. That's always my thing, and maybe to a fault. I feel like these, they should give these guys a chance and be like, hey, either you have it or you don't. So are you giving up on Renfro? Because I think that's the biggest thing is people mm. – and, and I've capped this. You know, I, I frequent the Padre message board. Obviously, there's stuff on Twitter. Does that mean you give up on Renfro? Because I have a take on what my take on Renfro is. I want to hear what you think first. You know, it's, it's tough. Like, the, everyone's talking about, oh, they should platoon him. Yeah, they should platoon Franchi and Renfro. And that's that. that's kind of early on in these guys' career to peg them as platoon guys. I feel like that's a little bit early. But, you know, does someone get traded? I don't know. I don't make those decisions. But who do you go with? Like, are you willing to say, you know what, I really like Franchi better, so I'm going to go with him and Renfro can ride pine? What I do this year, if if I'm making the decisions, and again, I'm not, what I do this year is I go with Renfro. I give him another chance. I put Ren- I put Franchi down in AAA. Sorry, Marcus Pond. I put Franchi down in AAA. You know, I because he's 22, 23 years old. He can stand another season in AAA. Renfro, if you don't have it by the All-Star break, you're gone. I agree. I 100% agree. Now, I have a really short lease, like you said, on Renfro. If he's not figuring it out by May, you're, you're toast. And here's why. Renfro's, what, 26 this year? Yeah. He has no there's, no, there's no ceiling anymore. You know, he's he's 26 at some point. You know, maybe he turns into Steven Souza Jr., who breaks out at 28 or 29, right? I mean, maybe he's one of those guys. But Renfro does not have a strong track record of making adjustments. He just has a track record of wrecking, you know, pitching outside of double-A, that just wrecking pitching, but never drawing walks, never making those adjustments. To me, his ceiling is pretty limited. I think he is what he is. Personally, I don't think there's much more room for growth. I don't think he's going to lay off a slider. He hasn't figured it out yet. But he, you just said earlier that other people have figured it out. You said Jerko figured it out. You said yeah, Bob Ball figured it out. Yeah, why can't Why can't Renfro? To me, Jerko had a track record of being a refined hitter at the minor league level. Renfro, like Jerko hit, if you go back and look at his numbers, I'm pretty sure he hit at every fucking level. Renfro struggled through double-A twice. Not once. They stuck him he back. He kind of in failed the, upwards in AAA. Did. I, didn't I he? think I think they stuck him in AAA because they're like, we don't want to trade him. There's too, you know, there's there's some upside here. So let's get him in double AAA and see if he can make the adjustment. And he did it. Whereas Jerko, Jerko made that adjustment. And even then, I don't know if Jerko still lays off the slider. We don't watch him. I just know his numbers are better. So he probably made some sort of adjustment. But to me, Jerko was a better prospect than Renfro. Jerko, you know, he had that history of making adjustments and hating at every level. 
whereas Renfro didn't hit at double-A. I mean, you can look it up. I mean, he didn't do awful, but he was nowhere near the prospect he was. I'm sure Fangraphs will have what he hit compared to league average, and if it wasn't anything over 130, for him, a collegiate player, you know, to me, that's just not, that's not very good. Um, I do think the ceiling is limited, though, with him because the other thing with Jerko, too, is that Jerko is a more complete hitter. Jerko goes yard everywhere. Even when he was here, you know, there would be times that when he was hot, he could hit the ball out the other way. So he could spray the ball more, more of a gap-to-gap guy. Renfro, if he, I mean, he'll hit it to center, but he's fucking dead red. He's pulling the goddamn ball 400 feet. That's what he is. I don't think he hit one ball to right field last year out. He might have, but I doubt it. Yeah. Um, and I caught quite a few games last year. To me, Renfro, is his, his ceiling is Mark Trumbo. And Mark Trumbo, outside of one year, just isn't that good. And I don't even think he's that kind of player. So I look at Cordero, on the other hand, who has what they call loud tools. He hits for power. He's got natural loft in his swing. We've seen that. So he has power. I don't think Renfro's more powerful than him. He's faster than Renfro. He's a much better defender. This guy's a shortstop. He sucked it short, but they put him in the left field and they moved him to center. And now he's this fucking plus outfielder that can play center, which means he can play in the corners. He's probably got a pretty good arm. And he has the same tool Renfro has, power. He has the same issue, play discipline. But he also has base running. So he, to me, he has more valuable tools and a higher ceiling because of the other tools that make him closer to a league average regular or better. Where to me, what you got last year with Renfro, that's probably what you have. You have a replacement level player. Yeah, but is it fair to say that about Renfro after his first full year in the bigs? It's only because Renfro is so much older and was not. So what? He has more of a, there's more of a track record for Renfro. Like Cordell, you got to think. He was signed as an amateur who probably didn't play in organized baseball when he was signed. And started basically raw. It's basically like getting like a ball of clay and you're trying to mold it up. Renfro was already a collegiate player. So college baseball, you think, is probably low and high A. That's why they say like, you know, oh, he's killing it like Elsinore. I was like, well, yeah, he played in fucking college. Of course he's killing it. A lot of those guys are right around that age. Renfro has that track record. He's 26. Cordero's, what, 22, 23? I don't know if you look. Yeah, down. he's 23. There you go. So he's 23. He's younger. He has less time under his belt because he came in, you know, at whatever they signed him at, as this raw player, and he moved positions. So it's not like he came up and he just fucking shot through the system. He's moved positions. Renfro's been in one spot. He's had the same problem over and over again, and there's been no natural progression of improvement. It's the same fucking problem as was after they drafted him and scouts got an everyday look at him and said, yeah, he doesn't recognize breaking pitches. If he doesn't make contact, he's going to be in trouble. It's been that same issue since he's been drafted. Cordero hacks a lot. And whether that's – if it's pitch recognition, he's fucked. But if it's just an approach and learning to lay off those pitches because he needs to be more selective, I think you can teach that. I don't know if that's Renfro's problem. I don't know if it's Cordero's problem. But Ren, to me, Renfro only has so much more room to grow. And he, he's only going to contribute so much. He's probably not going to be very good on defense. He's probably not going to be a good base runner. He's got a great arm that has no idea where the fuck the ball's going. He threw the ball the other day. If he'd have thrown it through the cutoff, man, he'd have thrown the guy out. But he threw it behind the fucking uh, plate. So – Whereas Cordero, to me, provides so much more on, on a, a larger basis that I'm more willing to take the risk on him. I don't bench Renfro now. I let him play a couple of months and see where he's at. But I do think his Maybe leash is shorter. Maybe you do platoon them, though. I Maybe would. you do I platoon mean, them because I'm not against it. it. I mean, let's face it. Franchi's going to get majority of the at-bats that way. Um, Renfro, I mean, you're going to face... Let's see in the division. You have, Franchi matched Renfro's war, by the way, last uh, year. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about war, dude. I know you don't. So, I know, and I, I get there's a time and place for it. And I'm I just slowly coming around. I use it when it benefits me. Uh, yes, I noticed. But that's better than not using it at all. So okay. I love you for it. Yeah, but I don't care about war. You can tell me whatever fuck you want. I don't care about war. So here's the thing with them. Maybe they platoon. Look at the lefties in the NL West. 
You have Bumgarner. You have Kershaw. Well, I mean, it's kind of shitty to be like, hey, yeah, Renfro, you're going to face lefties. But guess what? You face Kershaw But he and kills lefties. Who cares? I mean, he kills lefties. Fucking, what was the guy's name? Ryan something. The Indians had him for a little while. God damn it. I don't remember his name. But he fucking, you know, you can make a living as a platoon player. Fucking. Oh, was it Garko? No, it wasn't Ryan Gurko or, or Garko, whatever the fuck his name was. I forget his goddamn name. But there's guys who make a legit living just playing up being a platoon bat. There's a guy, I forget his fucking name too. Oh, Steve Pierce. Oh yeah. He's played for the fucking Orioles, the Rays, He's the, Orioles, for the Orioles, the Orioles like five times. Yeah, but he makes a living because he fuck oh and the Blue Jays, he smashes left-handed pitching. So what you're saying is Renfro is Scott Harrison. He might be. He might be. A, he might be Scott Harrison. Whereas, you know, you put a fucking. Le- I remember you used to get pissed at me when I say they got to send him against righties. <laughs> Why he rakes? I'm like he only rakes lefties, dude. Like if you put a righty on there, he's fucking toast. Yeah, he's toast. But there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you do give you know Renfro the majority of the year, um, and let you know Cordero sizzle because Cordero's got stuff to work on too. You know, he's he's got things he's got to work on, um, but. I mean, he's at a point where AAA is not going to really benefit him. I would love if they just said, you know what, fuck it. Franchi's our left fielder. You know, we're going to run him out there every day. If there's a tough lefty like a Kershaw or a Bumgarner, fine, we'll let him go out there. But fucking if Rich Hill's pitching, you know, your fucking your neighbor's dad, we'll let fucking Cordero hit and see what he can do. True. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's interesting These are to questions the that we will be asking Andy Green next week in spring training. I highly doubt we'll even get that fucking close. We'll no, be lucky we if we get close to Hoffman again. Yeah. So we got about 10 minutes left. And I'm sorry, it's a short episode. But Indeed. Hey, you know what? After spring training, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And again, weekly episodes on their way. Um, what are you excited for? We're going to spring training next week. If you guys are out in Peoria, uh, March 15th through the 18th, Thursday through Sunday, we'll be there. We'll be on the backfields a majority of the trip. Uh, they're playing the Giants on a night game. That I think they're Thursday. playing. Uh, yeah. So I want to go to that for sure. Are they playing the Angels? Well, the last time we tried to go to a fucking Angels game, they Sosha held Mike Trout out. Yeah, that's which true. pissed me off because that was the guy I wanted to watch. Yeah. So a majority <laughs> of the time we'll be on the backfields, and if you're out there, let us know. We'd love to love to meet our uh, loyal listeners. I would love to meet. So that that would be pretty cool. Yeah. But you can give me an autograph. <laughs> yeah. So what what are you excited to see next week? What are you expecting, and then what are you hoping to see? Honestly, I I want to see. They talk about the vibe. I want to see Hosmer, to be honest with you. I don't know why. I'm going to tell him you fucking hated the signing. I didn't hate the signing. You can go back and... You still do. I don't... You're so mad right now, dude. You have a vein popping out of your brown-ass forehead. No, I don't. You are so pissed. I'm not that brown because I haven't been out in the sun in a while. (laughs) Number one. Number two. I'm not pissed. Go back and listen to the episode. I was listening to it the other day. Yes, I boost our listens. Oh, (laughs) jeez. But I don't... I want the signing to work because I want the fucking Padres to win. I am warming up more to the idea of it. I didn't. I don't dislike Hosmer as a player. He's a very good player. I just question the fit. But he's on the fucking team. I want him to succeed. True. But I'm just excited Kinda to like see. like me and Chase Headley. No. No, not at all. <laughs> Even though you look like fat Chase Headley, really. Thanks. The haircut just. Appreciate it. And the beard. It just, it doesn't help. It doesn't. I think a shave and a buzz cut is in order. Nope. <laughs> but anyways. Oh, man. By the way, speaking of Chase Headley, he was talking to Scanlon. I felt so bad. You know, I'm excited to be here, you know, uh, <laughs> after being with the Yankees. Yeah, going to the playoffs and having a chance to win. You're excited to be here? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, no, I'm just excited to see. I want to see the buzz, like, in person. Because, you know, bringing in Hosmer, you know, you know there's a buzz. So I want to see that. I'm excited to go see the prospects out there. I mean, we've already seen what, you know, Tatis and Urias can do. I want to see the other younger guys that uh, we still like Urias, um, Obviously, Onya, you know, those those younger, younger guys. Ornelas is getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, he's um, getting a lot a of buzz. As a sleeper prospect. So yeah. I just like to go out there and just see the guys dick around, hitting bombs in BP. Um, 
Well, dude, I was trying to find some of some of our like super old episodes. I wanted to hear for those of you who just started joining us. Uh, Thank you. Within the last couple months, thanks. We apologize. We had last year. We did a, a show on my iPad on the way back from spring training. <laughs> the people drove into the center divide. Yeah, the people <laughs> who have been uh, listening re- might remember this, but on our way back, I don't want to say, "Hey, we were the first ones on him." But when we went out there, and we'll say it again, there was a group of them hitting on the backfield, launching homers. Like they were, it was their launch round. It was, it was Tatis, it was Onya, and there was Ornelas was there. So we went there to see Onya, and we stayed for Tatis. Tatis was going off. He was Moonshot. parking fucking balls. They were trying to hit moving cars. Yeah, they're trying. No, they're trying to hit the cars that were moving. They're trying yeah. to hit them that were parked in the parking lot. And we, dude, we were going nuts about yeah. it. And they knew it. <laughs> and yeah, I think we just fed his ego because we mentioned it um, on the way back. Or like, you can tell who the fucking man was in that yeah, group, and it was. was Tatis. Yeah, he was. He the was leader. the fucking man. In and that, that group. was before he even had his first full season under his yeah, belt. The so only we knew we didn't know a lot about him. We're like, hey, there he is. Let's check. Whoa, he the, just hit a ball four hundred fifty feet. The only guy I recall being on him. The only guy was Loggenhagen. Eric Loggenhagen from Fangrass was the only guy that said. Yeah, I saw him fucking rip Brady Aiken in an at bat where he had all kinds of you know patience and approach, and he looks good. I think he's a, I think he's a sleeper. He looks like he could be a top pick uh, in this year's draft if he were eligible. Yeah, and this was like in fucking April or May. Yeah, and we're like, oh wow, well I guess that's kind of cool. Yeah, so that's it's like, cool. Who do you think is going to be that person this time? I think Ornelas is yeah. going to be because he's still slightly unknown. I think Ornelas. I think Arias is going to be that Arias. guy. Uh, Arius, excuse me, yeah. Yeah, not Urias. I get I get excited. What about Boomer White? No, just <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure they cut him after he got his ass chewed in front of us last year. Dang it! Um, God, there was another guy I was gonna. Oh, uh, uh, Jesse Rosario or Jason Rosario. Oh, okay, yeah. He's a guy. Kyle Glazer came on a podcast. I'd look it up. It was pretty good. But he mentioned like the Potters have so many. Their their system is so deep that their sleepers are probably top prospects in other systems. But he specifically mentioned Ornelas and Jason Rosario, left-handed, I believe, center fielder. He said looks pretty impressive. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. We saw a lot of these guys at the prospect game, the Futures game last year. But, I mean, I'm just – I'm excited to go just to see these guys play. Uh, The pitching guys I'm looking forward to is guys like – like Baez, I want to see. I wish they'd throw him out there in the spring just to see him. Yeah. Just see him against Major League Pitching. Well, that would be nice because the thing is, and and it's the coolest thing, man, if you follow the team and you haven't been out to Peoria, you got to go and check out those backfields because you're, you're literally like you're 10, 15 feet away from these people. We stumbled onto them. I think it was – I'm going to take credit here. I'm pretty sure it was my idea. When we were walking up the stadium, I said, hey, guys, I think this is open. Yeah. And we just kind of fucking waddled all our fat asses over there. Like, yeah. oh, it's free. Sweet. Let's go get a soda. <laughs> we're like, man, look at all the players. We're we got- still newbies for spring training. Yeah. Yeah, we were still Sadly, newbies. Yeah. We were still newbies. But, I mean, we just kind of stumbled on. So I'm like, fuck, we can watch the practices for free. Like, we brought gloves out thinking nobody's going to be out there. We're going to play catch. And I'm like, yeah. holy fucking shit. I was like, that's that's fucking Tatis. That's fucking Ornelas. Holy shit. There's Trevor Hoffman over at the big club. Yeah. Cal Quantrill just struck out fucking, what's his face? Cal oh, my Calvo. God, that's Jared Weaver. <laughs> no, nobody said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's pretty cool. And you can go in there and just watch these guys. We saw Clayton Richard fucking bounce. Field to field, taking at bats away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was going to the four different fields there and just getting an at bat. He would walk up, take his bat and his helmet, and he would take their uh, the next at bat. He would go straight to the on deck circle. We watched him strike out six times in ten minutes. <laughs> it was glorious. I would love I, if we get to run into him this year. I know it's a, a goal of ours to ask him 
dude, what was up? Like, what were you doing? Like, yeah. is that like planned? Do they just do that to so get at bats, or how does this work? I wonder how they would react if you like tried to talk to them during practice. They seem pretty cool. There's other guys. There's those fucking autograph guys going up to them with their binders, and these aren't kids either. These are like forty year old men. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know who I'm pretty excited to see. Um, if if we can get to the point. I, you know, he's probably going to be... They have the two different bullpens, right? So one next yeah. to field, or one next to the big league field over there, and yeah. then one that's kind of in the side in the middle of the... That's uh, where we got to see uh, Quantrill. We saw and, Caps and, and yeah. Lawson and all those guys. I don't see a reason why he would be over there, but I want to see Makita pitch. I want to see him up close. Yeah. Gore, uh, there's somehow, a guy I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that'd be cool too, but Makita. I want to see Makita. I want to see what it's like, because he's up there flipping 56-mile-an-hour curveballs. I haven't seen it's him nuts. pitch live yet. How's, I wonder how he's doing in the spring so far. I don't know. I don't know we'll see. No prep. Yeah. The machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a guy I'm excited for. I'm excited for him. Uh, Michelle Baez, I completely forgot about Baez. I can't believe that. You yeah. Know? And I'm really excited to see him. Gore is a really good point. Um, I would love to see him up close. Um, a couple of the hitters that I want to see that are kind of um, not, I don't want to say like, you know, Hi. off the map. Sleepers. They're just not not like, not their top, top prospects. Yeah. A, a, so a couple of them. Estri Ruiz. I want to see what he looks like. Yeah. Um, Oliveris that they got for the Solarte trade. Which I like. I like that a lot, actually. I like yeah. that pickup. I do want to see that. And then another guy who is a little bit more on the radar is Hudson Potts. Yeah. I want to see him. And then Another also, guy. even though, honestly, I think the guy kind of sucks, but Buddy Reed was hitting bombs in VP2. Yeah, so but he put up cool. some shit numbers. Eh? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, he's he, awful. Hit, he hit well in Australia. Yeah, he's Troy. awful. <laughs> he, he's, he's awful, but I'm, I'll be interested to see what it's what it's. As like will there. I. You know, I noticed this. And by the way, if you guys Google uh, MLB Pipeline and go to their Padres Top 30, um, they published all of that. So real quick, just to get the hype started and why I think the Padres are going to compete very soon, they're at least their top five. Their top five prospects per MLB pipeline. This is Jonathan Mayo and the like. They're all fucking ETA'd at 2019. So that's Quantrill. That's fucking Baez. Even Mora Hones up there. Tatis, Urias. They're all 2019. We're almost fucking there. Yeah, it's getting so there. If Before you can we know afford it. it, if you can afford it, just one night in an Airbnb is like 100 bucks. Go out there and fucking watch these kids for free on the practice fields. It is absolutely worth it. Yeah, it is. 100%. So. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, we're not going to do a show next week. Nope, we'll be in spring training. We will be in spring training. But after that, like I said, we'll do a wrap-up show, um, a spring training review show. That'll be fun. Yeah, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, again, please check it out. We're going to record tomorrow the uh, Padre Twitter podcast. Um, it'll be myself, Rich, at Drunk Flannery, and we'll have Craig Medeiros at Craig Meddy. Um, should be should be fun. We'll sling shit at each other and Oh, I cannot wait for this historic, historic episode. And we will see where it goes. So anyways, hey, thanks for uh, checking in on us and we'll see you next time. We're out of here.